0: and welcome to the podcast. This is hypochondriacs Almanac and this is Sarah, your host. I'm recording for you guys on a Saturday evening, but before we get started, let's talk about a few little disclaimers. We're not doctors, nurses, or medical professionals of any kind. Please, please, please do not take what we say on this show as medical advice. We're not trying to treat you, diagnose you, or fix any of your medical conditions. If you have an issue, please see your doctor. Don't guess or take what we say on this podcast as a diagnostic tool, This week, we're going to talk a little bit more about the coronavirus. There has been some crazy stuff that has been coming out on the news, and we felt like it was really important to address some of the things that are going on around it. I'm going to start out with an article that's called 10 Myths About the Coronavirus, Including a Link to Meat Eating and Importing Packages. This article came out this last week. Uh, I found it on Yahoo News, but it originally came out on the Business Insider. The author is Hilary Baruch. So misinformation about the coronavirus has been spreading pretty rapidly on the internet. And despite what people have heard, you cannot get virus from an imported package or a pet and garlic and sesame oil will not help treat this virus the best way to prevent the spread of the coronavirus and other viral illnesses is to stay home when you're sick and wash your hands frequently with soap and water and these are age old recommendations folks this is nothing new here's a little bit more information The novel coronavirus, which is 2019 NCOV, is a new and deadly virus that has been spreading pretty quickly. As of this last week, approximately 362 people had died from the virus, and another 17,400 had been confirmed ill with the virus. This particular virus prompts fever, cough, and shortness of breath in the people that get the virus, the U.S. has issued a mandatory quarantine for citizens and families coming back from certain providences in China, where the disease has originated supposedly in December. There is no known treatment currently or vaccination for the virus, but scientists suspect that it originated in bats. And these particular animals were the intermediary host animal before they infected people. A lot of news agencies and individuals on the internet are peddling fake information about the virus, where it comes from, and how to quote-unquote cure it. But people around the globe are hungry for answers about combating the spread of this new and relatively unknown virus. Here is some of the best information that we have gotten so far. First and foremost, it is important to note that there is no treatment or medicine for this particular illness. Taking antibiotics will not help since it is a virus and not bacterial. Secondly, treatment for the Wuhan coronavirus is not like the flu. Patients are advised to rest up and drink plenty of fluids. In severe cases, people having trouble breathing may need oxygen support, but so far older people are more susceptible than youngsters under the age of 15, and most of the fatal cases have been among the elderly and patients with pre-existing health conditions. Again, there's no vaccine for the coronavirus as of yet, and though the virus is believed to have originated in bats, there's no evidence that meat eating is linked to the coronavirus, so you cannot get it from your pets. Next, people spread the coronavirus to each other by having close contact. This usually entails virus particles getting passed around within six feet of an infected person. But there is no good evidence that cats and dogs can get infected. It's true that scientists suspect that the virus might have originated in the Chinese wet market where people coexist in cramped quarters alongside animals that are both alive and dead. But it is also not accurate to say that the virus is linked to eating meat, as many have put out there on the internet and otherwise. We get new viruses all the time, doctors are now saying. But there is so much commerce and exchange between people that it is fully expected that some of these cases will spread. The virus is very fragile, though, outside of the human body, which means that you cannot get it from a package or an envelope. Very important to note, some people have raised concerns that they might be able to contract the coronavirus from imported goods packaged by people in other countries who have the illness or virus. But public health experts point out that the virus can only live for a few hours on hard surfaces and the only way it's being spread between people is through close contact. For example, the first case of human-to-human transmission in the U.S. was between a husband and wife who lived together. Other cases have also spread between patients and doctors in Chinese hospitals. However, the coronavirus particles are very heavy and usually fall to the ground right around a sick person rather than lingering in the air. And this makes the virus far less contagious than some others, like the measles. Next, doctors studying the novel coronavirus have found that a single infected person tends to spread their illness to between one and three other people. This is much like seasonal flu. And so far, children have proven rather resilient to the virus, much like SARS. A mother with the novel coronavirus reportedly gave birth to a perfectly healthy baby, and the average age of coronavirus patients in one recent study suggested that it was about 55 years old. With this in mind, do not use any miracle mineral solutions to combat the virus. It's industrial bleach, and it is very dangerous and unhelpful, some people are saying. So there are companies out there who are... Banking on this miracle solution, but do not fall for any of that. Business insiders and scientists are saying that this miracle solution that is being sold out there on the internet is basically a solution of 28% sodium chloride in distilled water. And it is not a cure for the coronavirus. And it is very dangerous to human health and can prompt severe vomiting, diarrhea, low blood pressure, and acute liver failure. Some bleach-based cleaners are helpful though, for cleaning surfaces and preventing the spread of illnesses. But these chemicals that are now being sold on the internet as miracle cures or preventional devices are not what they say they are, they're very dangerous. And if people put them on their skin or under their nose or near their mouths, they will have little or no impact on the virus. And likewise, algae is not a treatment for the new coronavirus either, as much as some people would try to have you believe. There is some evidence that red marine algae may inactivate certain viruses like the ones that cause cold sores, but the same has not been showed of the novel coronavirus. The problem is that there are about 4,000 species of such algae, some of which may work against viral infections, but not against other types of infections. Without any regulations about proper labeling and without any requirements for verification of contents, this is a complete crapshoot if you buy something with algae in it on the internet that claims that it can prevent or cure the coronavirus. Nevertheless, at least one holistic healer, Gabriel Cousins, told his followers in a recent email that they should use red algae to prevent and potentially treat the coronavirus, even though no scientists have studied the effects of red algae on the virus. Don't use it folks it's simply not scientifically proven it's not going to prevent or cure anything and nor will eating garlic or sesame oil do the same for you either it's true that garlic contains compounds that may help keep our hearts heads and guts running smoothly and might also help prevent or fight cancer Garlic may have some antimicrobial properties as well, but there's no reason to believe it can ward off the coronavirus. And sesame seed oil, either either topically applied or ingested, will not kill the virus either. Rinsing your nose with saline or gurgling mouthwash will not prevent the spread of the coronavirus either. Yes, some kinds of mouthwash can kill microbes in your mouth and rinsing your nostrils out with a neti pot, for example, can feel very good if you have a stuffed up nose, but it's not going to prevent the coronavirus. There are basic science-backed things everyone can do to prevent the spread of the Wuhan coronavirus. Number one, wash your hands. Cheap, effective, simple, frequently That is what scientists and doctors are recommending and use that soap and water. Scientists out there are out there talking to the public. They want you to wash your hands and teach your children how to properly wash their hands as well. Believe it or not, most people do not have much of an idea how they should really properly wash their hands. Some people try to do it without getting their hands wet, which is a complete waste of time and effort. You got to get your hands in there in that hot, soapy water, lather up and rinse off. This is not a two second thing. It can take 20 or 30 seconds to do it effectively. It's the frictional movement of your hands that gets the bacteria off them. Doctors are saying as well, hand sanitizer is helpful in a pinch, but nothing beats your basic soap and water, followed by drying them off with paper towel. Getting your flu shot, if you haven't already, is also a great way to protect yourself from viral illnesses this season. But the flu shot, again, will not prevent the coronavirus. It's much less likely that you're going to have the flu, which means you'll be less likely to have respiratory symptoms, which means you're less likely to feel anxious and have that, oh my God, feeling when a new disease pops up. Stay away from sick people and don't go to work or school if you are sick, This is basic, folks. If you're ill and your family members are ill, stay home and don't spread these diseases, doctors say. Basically, that's what they've done in China. They have isolated everyone, and this has helped with the spread of this disease. And remember, face masks don't really help all that much unless you're putting them on people who are sick and coughing. One reason face masks are flying off the shelves around the globe right now might be more physiological than preventative. The problem is they don't know what else to do and people are basically trying to do anything they can to help prevent themselves from getting sick paper surgical type masks that you see in operating rooms are designed to prevent your own coughing and excretions from getting onto other people. They're really not meant to protect the wearer. They're designed to protect the people around you. So that being said, are face masks an effective tool? And I looked up an article about this as well. There was an article that I recently found on healthline.com called Does Wearing a Mask Prevent the Flu? And I think this is also applicable to diseases such as the coronavirus. I did not see an author with this particular article, but when the United States experienced the swine flu back in 2009, everyone was talking about how to reduce the spread of infection. And according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, vaccine availability was limited that year because the virus wasn't identified until manufacturers had already started producing the annual vaccine. Health organizations remind people of the importance of regular hand-washing, like I mentioned earlier, with warm water and soap, and people who develop the flu were advised to stay home to recover and avoid spreading the virus to others. Then some people started doing something most of us haven't seen before. They started wearing surgical masks. But did these masks actually help? Yes, studies do show that masks help under certain circumstances. For many years, scientists weren't sure if wearing a mask was effective at preventing the spread of viruses. However, recent studies suggest that they can help. In 2008, a study was published in the International Journal of Infectious Diseases, which concluded that when used correctly... Masks are highly effective in preventing the spread of viral infections, and family members of children with flu-like illnesses who use the mask properly were 80% less likely to be diagnosed with illnesses. Surprisingly, the difference between types of masks was pretty insignificant, though. Another study published in the Annals of Internal Medicine reported similar results. Researchers looked at about 400 people who had the flu and found that family members reduced their risk of getting the flu by 70% when they washed their hands often and wore surgical masks. Other studies found promising results outside of the household. For example, one study was conducted by a team of researchers from the University of Michigan on more than 1,000 students living in residence halls. They assigned these students into groups, those who wore the masks and those who wore masks and practiced hand hygiene and those who did neither one. The results showed that those who wore the masks in residence halls and practiced good hand washing reduced their risk of flu-like illnesses by an astonishing 75%. Still, the study found no reduction in symptoms for mask use alone. This finding suggests that the use of masks should always be paired with regular hand washing and good hygiene. If you are considering wearing a mask to protect yourself against infection, there are two types you should know about. One, face masks. These are fairly loose-fitting, disposable masks approved by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration for medical devices. Doctors, dentists, and nurses often wear these while treating patients. These masks prevent large droplets of bodily fluids that may contain viruses from escaping via the nose and mouth. Face masks also protect against splashes and sprays from others, such as those from sneezing and coughing. The downside is that these masks don't Prevent the inhalation of small airborne contaminants. The second type of mask is a respirator, and these are also called N95 respirator masks, and they're designed to protect the wearer from small particles in the air that may contain viruses. They are certified by the CDC and the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health. The name comes from the fact that they can filter 95% of airborne particles, according to the CDC. These masks are also often used when painting or handling potentially toxic materials. Now, respirators are selected to fit your face, and they must form a perfect seal so that no gaps allow airborne illnesses in. Healthcare workers use them to protect against airborne infectious diseases like tuberculosis and anthrax, but Unlike regular face masks, respirators protect against both large and small particles. Overall, respirators are considered far more effective at preventing the flu virus than regular face masks. Still, studies have found there are small benefits to wearing both types of masks. So here are the guidelines for wearing face masks. The CDC revised its healthcare setting guidelines for flu prevention to include face masks and respirators in 2010. They recommended that healthcare workers wear a face masks when working with patients who have the flu, and they also suggest offering face masks to patients who show signs of respiratory infections. Respirators, however, are reserved for healthcare workers to wear during medical procedures. Face masks in general can help reduce the spread of the flu, but only if they're worn correctly and frequently. For example, several people who were excluded from the results of the International Journal of Infectious Diseases study did not wear their mask properly or when they should have. Here are the guidelines for proper mask wearing. Number one, wear the face mask when coming in within six feet of a sick person number two position the strings to keep the mask firmly in place over the nose mouth and chin do not touch the mask again until you remove it three wear a face mask before going near other people if you have the flu if you have the flu and need to see the doctor wear a face mask to protect others in the waiting area Consider wearing a mask in crowded settings if the flu is widespread in your community or if you are at high risk for flu complications. And lastly, when you're done wearing the mask, throw it away and wash your hands. Never reuse a face mask. So here's the bottom line, folks. When it comes to the flu or the coronavirus or any other illness that is out there that you are worried about, prevention is still the best method for keeping yourself safe from this highly contagious virus. A face mask may offer added protection against getting sick. There are no known risks to wearing these devices except for the cost of buying them. Masks do seem promising, but it's also important to realize that other preventative measures are helpful as well. Wash your hands again and again and again, especially if you're around others who may be sick. Also, be sure to get your annual flu shot to protect yourself and others from spreading the virus. It's just that simple, folks. So speaking of face masks, I found this other very interesting article. It came out on insider.com. Holly Sakan is the author of this, and it's a biomedical engineer created a mask coated in salt that he says could neutralize viruses like the coronavirus in five minutes. Okay, so here's the deal, folks. Medical face masks can block some germs, but germs also linger on surfaces. Researchers say they've now created a new type of face mask with a salt coating that can actually neutralize germs. The technology has been tested on three strains of influenza and has been found to be pretty effective. Interesting, right? Medical face masks can feel almost impossible to keep on properly. Wearers constantly touch them to readjust them, move them to scratch their faces, and regularly take them off and put them back on. All of these actions can help the germs on a mask surface to get into your body. Experts say that for most people outside of Wuhan, China, face masks are unlikely to protect you from the current coronavirus outbreak. However... Hoi Jik Choi, a biomedical engineer and professor at the University of Alberta in Canada, says he has a potential solution. He has created a mass that can kill harmful pathogens rather than just block them. What is the secret ingredient, though? A basic table salt, believe it or not. Because the molecular structure of salt is crystalline, its hard, sharp corners can pierce viruses, scientists say, and this renders them unviable choice team says they've been testing salt coated mass in the lab for the past few years and found they can inactivate three strains of the influenza virus. The team published these initial findings in the journal of scientific reports in 2017. They think the pathogen neutralizing technology could significantly improve infectious disease prevention efforts and hope to bring the mass to market within the next 18 months. But how does a salt-coated mask work? Viruses and other pathogens travel either through the air or in droplets like saliva or phlegm from coughing, sneezing, speaking, or breathing, or on surfaces. The coronavirus-carrying droplets expelled from coughing, sneezing, speaking, or breathing can stay on the surface of the masks. The biggest technological challenge of the current surgical mask and respirators is that they cannot kill the virus sitting on the surface, and this can increase the chances of contact transmission. But when a virus-carrying droplet encounters a salt mask coated in salt solution, Choi says it begins to absorb the salt. Then, once the liquid evaporates, all that remains is a virus and the crystallized salt, which slices through the virus and neutralizing it. The process takes as long as it takes the water to evaporate. In the lab test, Choi noted the virus is inactive within five minutes, and it all gets destroyed in about 30 minutes. Choi also says he got the idea for salt-coated masks from the failure of a different type of experiment that he was working on. He was trying to develop oral vaccinations that were easier to deliver than shots. As part of that process, a weakened form of the virus was mixed with sugar. But the solution of the sugars kept cutting the virus particles open, making the vaccine ineffective. Crystal formulation and sugar-based formulations destabilizes the vaccines, according to scientists. But they wondered then, would crystal regrowth of salt be able to inactivate viruses? The group began developing a salt film coating and applying it to the fibers of mass filters, and this is when they built and tested prototypes. They are now trying to get a provisional patent on this technology. The simplicity of the salt coating solution makes it very easy to integrate into existing mask manufacturing processes. One of the advantages of the technology is that it is not complicated and it is robust. They require very low capital investment and the material itself, salt, is very inexpensive. The teams hope to work with companies now to begin manufacturing the devices commercially within the next two years. This also means that salt coated masks could be stockpiled in preparation for pandemics and epidemics. They could be readily used at the time of an outbreak, irrespective of the disease. Very, very interesting. This does not mean that people should go home and soak their masks in salt water. Let the scientists do all that. But it is an interesting development. If I was looking to prevent illnesses and thinking of the potential use of a face mask, I would keep my eye out on the news for potential updates on that particular topic. Many of you out there have heard about the coronavirus and the recent developments in the news, and people are freaking out to a certain degree because it's spread very rapidly. But what do we actually know about the coronavirus? It is one of many viruses that cause diseases in mammals and birds. In humans, it can cause respiratory tract infections that are typically mild, like a common cold. Although rarer forms, the coronavirus, SARS, MERS, and COVID-19 can be lethal. Symptoms vary in other species like chickens, which can cause an upper respiratory tract disease, but in cows and pigs, they cause diarrhea. There are no vaccines or antiviral drugs to prevent or treat human coronavirus infections at the moment. Coronaviruses as a disease were discovered in the 1960s and now the name itself coronavirus is derived from the latin word corona and the greek word which also applies which means crown or halo and the name refers to the characteristic appearance of the virus as a small sort of crown. The transmission of this particular virus is human to human and is thought to occur among close contacts via respiratory droplets generated by sneezing and coughing. So if someone with the virus stands within a certain distance of you and coughs or sneezes, the droplets can arrive via air and cause you to get sick. Okay. So let's get into what the coronavirus is and what some of the symptoms are and how you can protect yourself. So the coronavirus is a kind of common virus that causes an infection in your nose, sinuses, and upper throat. Most coronaviruses are not dangerous. But in early 2020, after December 2019 outbreak in China, the World Health Organization identified a new type. This is the 2019 coronavirus and it can be fatal. The outbreak quickly moved from China around the world and was is spread in the same and it is spread in the same way that other coronaviruses do through person-to-person contact. Now symptoms can show up anywhere from 2 to 14 days after exposure. Early on, they're a lot like the common cold. If you have the coronavirus, you may notice fever, cough, and or shortness of breath. Infections range from mild to serious, and the virus can turn deadly if it leads to pneumonia, respiratory failure, or septic shock. Those most at risk of death are the elderly and people with weakened immune systems. But what actually is a coronavirus? It was first identified in the 1960s, but we don't know where they came from. They get their name from their crown-like shape, and sometimes, but not often, coronaviruses can infect both animals and humans. But most coronaviruses spread through the same way as other cold-causing viruses do—through infected people coughing and sneezing, by touching an infected person's hands or face, or by touching things like doorknobs that infected people have touched— Almost everyone gets a coronavirus infection at least once in their life, most likely as a young child. In the U.S., coronaviruses are more common in the fall and winter, but anyone can come down with a coronavirus at any time. Past infections include the MERS virus, where about 858 people died, and this first appeared in Saudi Arabia and other countries in the Middle East, Africa, and Asia. In April 2014, the first American was hospitalized for MERS in Indiana, and other cases were reported in Florida. There was also SARS in 2003, where 774 people died from the outbreak. But there were no further cases of this after about 2015. So what are the common symptoms of coronavirus? They are runny nose, coughing, sore throat, and sometimes fever. In most cases, you won't know whether you have a coronavirus or a different cold-causing virus like the rhinovirus. You could get lab tests done, including nose and throat cultures and blood work to find out whether your cold was caused by coronavirus or anything else, but there's actually no reason to do this. The tests won't change how to treat your symptoms, which typically go away in a few days anyway. But if a coronavirus infection spreads to the lower respiratory tract, your windpipe, and your lungs, it can actually cause pneumonia, which is especially dangerous in older people, people with heart disease, or people with weakened immune systems. So what do you do about coronavirus? There is no vaccine for this, as I mentioned earlier. To prevent the infection, you do the same things as you would to avoid a common cold. Wash your hands, keep your fingers away from your eyes, nose, and mouth, and avoid close contact with people who are infected. Treating it is also the same way as you would treat a common cold. You get plenty of rest, drink your fluids, and take over-the-counter medicine for a sore throat and fever, but do not give aspirin to children or teens under the age of 19. Use ibuprofen or acetaminophen instead. A humidifier or steamy shower can also help ease a sore and scratchy throat. Even when a coronavirus causes MERS or SARS in other countries, the kind of coronavirus infection... Common in the US isn't a serious threat for an otherwise healthy adult. If you get sick, treat your symptoms and contact a doctor if they get worse or do not go away. All in all, folks, this is not a huge and scary thing in the U.S. at this point. If you suspect that you have something that might be a coronavirus, just go see your doctor. It's just that simple. They can give you a diagnosis relatively quickly and set your mind at ease. But for the rest of us, it's just a matter of resting, getting your fluids, and treating it with over-the-counter medications. I hope that eases your minds with some more information about coronavirus. But all in all, folks, it will fade just like everything else has in the past. We're going to go ahead and wrap the show up at this time. This is the point in the podcast where we say so long, farewell, go get those face masks if you feel like you need to do that. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please shoot us an email. We're at Podcast at gmail.com. We will throw that into the show notes for you folks. Send us an email. We would love to respond back to you. Give us a suggestion for potential show topics. We'd like that as well. And please join us again. next week when we talk more about strange medical news conditions and treatments good night podcast peeps stay healthy keep it real and always live your very best life bye